Welcome to As I Live and Grieve, a podcast that tells the truth about how hard this is. We're glad you joined us today. We know how hard it is to lose someone you love and how well-intentioned friends and family try so hard to comfort us. We created this podcast to provide you with comfort, knowledge, and support. We are grief advocates, not professionals, not licensed therapists. We are you. Welcome, everyone, and thanks again for joining us at As I Live and Grieve. Our guest today is Steve Case, and I think you will find this a very interesting podcast. We're going to talk about his book. We have titled this episode, Hardcore Grief Recovery, which are the three words at the very top of his book cover. Steve, before we go too far, would you please offer our listeners just a little bit of your background? Uh, yes, let's see. Um, I have been a uh, commissioned and licensed uh, pastor with the United Church of Christ for about 25 years, uh, 30 years overall doing youth ministry. I, and before that, I worked in advertising. A long That was a long time ago. <laughs> but uh, I've been writing for a good 30 years. I've done about 40-some books. A lot of it is curriculum, mostly for youth. Some adult stuff, some books of biblical dad jokes, and, and some books that are in-depth analysis of a 17th century monk. So I, I have a balance of all things. <laughs> Eclectic might be a good word. Well, when your book was first recommended to me by my dear friend Amazon, I admit my eyes widened when I saw the book cover. Then I was captivated, both to investigate the focus and content as well as curiosity about the author. So I must ask, first of all, would you speak the title of your book? Because I think it's best in your voice. (laughs) And then why did you write this book? Or better yet, why this approach? The the title of the book is Death. And uh, it, it started over the years as I've had to do funerals uh, over, you know, for church members more than once, unfortunately, for a student, uh, once for uh, the infant son of a student. But uh, several years ago, I had three students, two brothers and a sister, high school and early college, and they lost both parents in two years. And uh, the first one was to cancer, and the second one was to alcoholism. And during that time, my office at the church where I was working became the safe place. You know, whatever you needed, you you feel safe in my office to, to get that. Be loud, be angry, curse at the ceiling or throw things or punch the pillowcases or whatever you needed to do. I wanted my office to be where they could be and get that. And if that included saying, this or would people just shut the hell up or whatever they needed to say at the time that was where my office and then I it became cathartic in many ways and I wanted uh, to write a book that could become that safe place to provide that same kind of relief Um, one of my favorite quotes of all time is from Mark Twain who said that profanity can provide a relief that is denied to prayer oh And it is absolutely true. (laughs) You know, sometimes, you know, I figure Jesus was a carpenter. He hit his thumb with a hammer more than once. (laughs) I love that. 
He didn't say, oh, me. No. <laughs> there was something else. I'm sure that whatever the Hebrew or Aramaic version of, damn it, whatever that was, <laughs> I'm sure that's what came out of, of Jesus at the time. I, I love but that I, story. <laughs> but but I, I wanted I wanted to create a place for the people who aren't going to grieve like regular church going people. I wanted, you know, a place for them to grieve who are sick and tired of people saying, Oh, it's all going to be okay or something horrible like that. I wanted this to be the safe place. Very interesting. Uh, I love both the story and the image of Jesus hitting his thumb. <laughs> I, admit, I have never thought of that, but I love it. In your book, you state, there are no rainbows in this book, no birds flying over mountains, no silhouettes of people standing alone on the beach. That does make the tone of your book very clear to the reader. But if there are no rainbows, birds, or beaches, what is in your book? Blunt honesty. Hmm. I lost my father just a year ago, October, and my mother uh, about seven years before that. And one of the things I got tired of very quickly was pity, you yes. know, when, and, and sympathy and people who come up because they don't know what else to say, say one of those inane things you're supposed to say at the funeral. And you just want to stop and say, shut up. I'm so sick and tired of pity. I wanted, and I needed honesty. I wanted someone to blatantly say, today sucks. Mm -hmm. And tomorrow is going to suck, if not worse than today. And you're going to be in for a whole lot of sucko days in a row, but it's going to get better. Right. And too often we we try to make people, you know, you're supposed to be going through the stages of grief by now, or you should be accepting this by now, or should be moving on by now. And you think, horseshit, I'm not going to do that. Let me do this at my own pace. And that's right. that's what I wanted the book to do. It does. Your book is definitely a dose of reality for those who are grieving. Another line in your book says, yes, there are worse days to come. It certainly doesn't sound encouraging. How's this intended to help someone? I, I think it's it's the honesty of it. Okay. I th Like I said, I think we get tired of sympathy. And I want someone just to be honest and say, this is what's happening and to you physically also, and emotionally, and mentally, and spiritually, for those who believe that way, we need to remind people that it is a process. You go through it. You do come out the other side, even if it doesn't look like it right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of your premises is that everyone has something stupid to say to you. <laughs> yes. Can you explain this? And please, examples are very welcome. <laughs> oh, yes. I... I it's it started uh, with a friend of mine. He and I just were at one point were trading. What is the worst thing anyone has ever said at a funeral? And it became like a, a competition between he and I. You know, everybody start starts with the oh, they're in a better place. You know, which is you want to think no, they're not. They 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 should be here now. I don't want them in a better place or. Uh, I, I, there's a, I made a list of them. I put I put all of them in a book in the book. Uh, let's see, uh, things will get better with time, or they look so natural. Which oh, is just, I hate that. Uh, yes, uh, let's say. Oh, they're exploring the best 
restaurants, bars, playgrounds, whatever oh. in heaven. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's see. They'll look great with wings. Oh. Oh. Uh, don't worry. Don't worry. They're only sleeping. Uh, let's oh. see. Uh, <laughs> they're soaring with the angels. And, and, and a nod to uh, Monty Python. Joined the choir invisible. Uh, <laughs> uh, you actually the, heard all these things said? Yes. This is things that I've heard over, over the years. Oh, my gosh. The, the worst one. I've ever I ever heard somebody actually said to someone whose funeral I had just done the funeral of their child. Oh, someone no. said to them, "You can always have more kids." Oh, oh yeah. Oh my God. And, you, <laughs> and and to their credit, they just they just stood there and smiled and nodded and said thank you. But you could see them seething underneath. Yes. You just, yeah. They just wanted to scream. Yeah. Now I know, and I I have to insert that. I hope, and maybe this is just the optimistic, positive side of me, that I hope many of those things were said because the people were really fumbling for something to say. Oh yeah, people were comfortable with the silence. We have um, we have no idea what to say, and and we're exactly. completely uncomfortable with silence. You know, and yeah. silence is is what is needed the most sometimes. Just be. Just be present yes. in in my life. You don't have to fix me. You yes. don't have to say the right thing. Just be there. And that's that speaks volumes without words. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. When I read this book, and I have read it, actually I'm on my second reading, um, I personally found this to be exactly the book I needed and wanted on many days after losing my husband. I will state, that this book might not be for everyone, but I feel it is for many people because it's honest. It's to the point. It's blunt, but it's so truthful. And I have to add that if someone finds your words what they need to hear, they might want to consider using your companion workbook, which I have not looked at yet. But tell us about the workbook. Well, the workbook... Uh was the idea of source books the, the the publisher who who thought you know the the original book has room for journaling and it's got some some space where you can jot down ideas but the workbook is much more of a hands-on companion there are places in the workbook where it says rip this page out and burn it hmm. you know and wow. a lot more space to write down ideas or write down your thoughts or draw pictures of what you think grief looks like? Is it a troll knocking at your door or is grief some other kind of monster? Whatever. It's much more creative outlets and and hands-on approach uh, or exercises to to doing things. Like take take one day and see how long you can go carrying a laundry basket or a rolling pin or something in your hand. How far can you go in your day with this thing in your hand? And when are you able to finally put it down and move on with your day. Now take that idea and understand you're going to be carrying this grief around with you, but eventually you're going to have to put it down because it's getting in the way of the rest of your life. Oh, that's so creative. I like that. Yeah. Now I'm going to have to get the workbook. <laughs> I, it, it just, it's so creative to me. And I, you know, I just love different perspectives, right. but like your book, I think the workbook, 
again, it's honest, it's truthful, and it's going to echo exactly what people are feeling. But the examples are so, so good. And like the one with the rolling pin or the laundry basket, I think that's an excellent idea and a great concept. Yeah. Mm. Wow. That's wonderful. Yeah. I just, I've got to get the workbook now. (laughs) (laughs) Steve, have you considered broaching other life milestones with other books, something similar like parenting, marriage, divorce? I, I have given thought, uh, um, gosh, over 30 years ago now, I, I actually quit my job so that I could be the primary stay at home parent, you know, in, in my kid's life. You know, my wife was brilliantly making twice my income at the time when, <laughs> when my daughter was born. And so it made no sense for her to quit her job and we didn't want to do daycare. And so we decided, okay, what can we, what can we do without so right. that I can stay at home Right. And 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 raise the kids. Uh, so I thought about a parenting one. Uh, if I think if I did a marriage one, I would have to give my wife every other chapter for rebuttal. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be, that would be creative. That really would good. be very interesting. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I I have I have given it some thought. I'm I'm, I'm hoping we'll, we'll see how how this one goes. I'm not sure what I could title the one on marriage. I don't think it would. Oh, I'm sure you'd come up very with very careful with the title. <laughs> on that. Yeah, there's, there's not a doubt in my mind that you think of something, <laughs> something witty. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I like I like the um, the honest, brutal truth because I I prefer that. I want someone to tell me, "Oh, sorry for your loss." You know, I don't oh. I don't want that. I want. Um, hey, that sucks. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Literally. And I think in just... other areas of our lives, I think that the brutal, honest truth would be fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> and it's grief and grief is not it is still grieving, uh, like in the event of a divorce. You are still you're you're still going to go through the grieving process. Right. Or yeah. if you've been fired for from your job, yep. you're still going to go through this process because right. you you're grieving the loss of life you were going to have right. exactly. or you're going to have that's exactly. gone now. So what are you going to do? How do you go through this process? Still? Right. Right. And I, I think for me, um, this is exactly what I needed and probably at some other point in my life will still need. So now I, I know about it, mm-hmm. but I think it's, it's a perspective that we don't often hear. Right. So we never really mm-hmm. knew that we could find comfort in this brutal honesty. We never really realized that. So this is, it's a revelation in some respects, I think, that, you know, we can be honest about it and direct about it and not sugarcoat it and not say all those platitudes that are meaningless, that we can just be real. Yeah, I think think people um, associate the platitudes with church unfortunately like you have to go you're going to go to church and try to be stoic about it and exactly we're going to read scripture and that's supposed to help you feel better well no it didn't right now just that kind of there are people out there who don't will not take comfort from hearing the 23rd psalm again some people will i mean but some people don't and if it doesn't connect with you then the grief isn't going to heal. Right. right. My, I, I, I was thinking about this. My, my wife's grandmother 
was a huge Rolling Stones fan. And when she died, the funeral home dug out the CD of the organ playing How Great Thou <laughs> which which she would have hated. Exactly. That. And and there's there had to there should be something for the people who aren't going to connect uh right. religiously. Right. Yeah, I, I think many people are getting more creative and more personal in their funeral services. Yes. Um and not being quite so reserved or dignified about some of them. I know I, I tell the story at my husband's funeral. This was a military funeral. And one of his really, really good friends came up after the eulogy, but Tim came up to say a few words about what his friendship with Tom meant to him. And in his hand, he had a Tim Hortons coffee cup. Now, probably mm -hmm. very few people that were there understood the significance but my husband had a habit every day he wanted his Tim Hortons coffee. And even to almost the last day of his life. But at that point, he wasn't swallowing and couldn't have it anymore. Mm. But that Tim Hortons coffee made me take a break from that overwhelming grief and made me laugh. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget that. And I am so, so grateful for that moment because it broke the entire solemnity of the event and allowed me to kind of regroup and get through the day. Just that, that little yeah. piece. Mm -hmm. Laughter through tears is, is one of the most beautiful things. Absolutely. So I, I did a funeral for a church member who had passed away and half of the eulogy was golf jokes. <laughs> because he was right. such an avid golfer. And so any joke I could find that was yeah. about, you know, Jesus went golfing. It was like, yeah. okay, now it's <laughs> Jesus exactly. and Ed went golfing. And, and, exactly. they, and, yeah. and people start laughing because, and then once that, your word, solemnity breaks, yeah. then tears can flow and oh, laughter absolutely. can flow. And, yeah. and it, it's, a, it's a healing process. It is. Right. It is. And it's nice to take a break from that such solemnness oh just, mm. just it really is mom that reminds me of you remember how you always hated the song love shack by the b-52s yes <laughs> and every but every time she would always say she would go you know i think that you guys should play this song at my funeral because right. it'll make you and your sister huh? laugh yeah. and i was like that is so weird who's gonna play love shack at a funeral but i'm like it would make huh? us laugh. <laughs> so, so you should definitely right, you should. Right. Uh, just for some right. reason, that that song is like nails on a blackboard for me. <laughs> it really I, is. Just... I had a, a friend whose uh, father had passed away, and one of the father's pet peeves was people who leave out certain verses when you sing hymns yeah. in church. They go first, <laughs> second, and last. You know, yes, said, no, yes. sing them all. And he said he, yes. there was a special hymn for Marines. And he wanted all verses sung. When my funeral happens, I want all the verses. And all he said, yeah. we got to the funeral and they started, we stood up to sing and he realized there were 16 verses yes. of this hymn. And he said, by the fourth verse, he said, my brother and I were holding each other up. We were laughing. <laughs> and, and we just, and by the, by the 10th verse, everybody is laughing well, because sure. they all know what the joke is. And oh, it just sure. kept going. The yeah. whole it was yeah, such we, a healing moment. We need more things like that right. in funerals. Yeah. We really yes. do. We really do. That could almost be a podcast in itself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> Steve, going back to when we were talking about some of the things that people say, one of the most common things that, and I think of Facebook because when someone talks about one of their relatives that has passed away, all the comments underneath, it's all, sorry for your loss, sorry for your loss, sorry for your loss, sorry for your loss. Is there anything that is maybe better that you could say? I mean, I know everybody means that they are truly sorry, but it just seems like it's it's just repeated. Yeah, I I think you can you can I think you can, you can say something like that's tough or man that sucks mm-hmm. or something on that or it is perfectly fine. Um I've signed sympathy cards with all prayers always mm-hmm. which oh, is, is a a, a good phrase that that works out other than just sorry right. for your loss right. you know? right. those are some good ideas uh lastly though this book might be considered a slap across the face dose of reality about grief you kind of wrap things up with in the end love fills the empty spaces what do you mean by this steve i think grief while it it seems to to fill us you can feel like you can be filled with Grief, I think grief actually tends to make holes. And when you have friends, when you have family, when you have what whatever it is, you need something that fills those holes, whether it is a song that, that your loved one loved so much or, or hated in the case of the B-52s. <laughs> or, there, are, there are ways that love can fill up those, those holes because grief, you know, feels like you you cut off your arm. You're like, what am I going to do? I, I I don't have an arm. And then people, you know, people come up and says, well, God must have needed your arm in heaven. And you think, no, oh shit, I want my arm. Give me back my arm. You know. And I I think grief is the same way. People say, gee, somebody was needed in heaven, but it's no, I'm missing something. I'm missing an appendage. I'm missing a, a piece of my heart. I'm missing a piece of my soul. Right. And and over time, love can fill that back in again. It's never going to be perfect. It's never ever going to be like it was. Right. But it's going to be okay. It's going. You learn to live with that grief, and and be able to move on with your life. Right. And eventually, eventually, you get to a point where thinking of that person or smelling their perfume or hearing a song that they loved on the radio will make you smile right. and and laugh and not cry. Right. Yeah. Eventually. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. will take a while. And, but then, it, and it, that it, eventually it, could be different for everyone. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It is. It I is. promise. I promise mm-hmm. it will eventually, you'll, you'll get through this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the people who know me know it's hot sauce. It's my husband's favorite hot sauce. So every time I see hot sauce, every time I travel, yep. um, you know, it's, it's an immediate connection. And yep. It always makes me smile. Yep. Steve, I, I have a question relating to your book and workbook. Have you ever led a group using your workbook, like a bereavement group or support group? I I, I have never done uh, a group. The the book is, is pretty new. It's, it was only published in late 2000. 19 and and then you know then COVID hit so uh, haven't really and just moved to a new city so I'll I'll be looking for work again and uh, a group might be a good idea I think it would be a great idea in fact I'd love to try it (laughs) (laughs) I'd love to try it I think it would be one of the best attended 
bereavement groups ever. <laughs> it would be a, I just picture it as like a group setting of a safe place for everybody to just punch pillows or yeah, swear yeah. or whatever they need to do. <laughs> whatever you need. Yeah. I think be here and get there. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, I always hate this time of the podcast because our time winds down. Uh, and I always regret that because I know if we sit here and chat, I'll have 25 more questions mm-hmm. easily. But uh, I have to say to you, Steve, thank you so much for giving us this book, mm. despite the expletive in the title. Um, I, I think it definitely it, it catches your attention and lets you know immediately that this is not a fluffy book about grief or grieving. Mm-hmm that it's to the point, that it's in your face. And for many, many people, it's exactly what we need. Mm-hmm. Because we're not going to get too far on our grief journey if we can't hear in our hearts the truth. Mm-hmm. If we keep masking mm-hmm. it and hiding it, isolating ourselves, avoiding the topic, we're not going to go on that journey. Mm-hmm. We're going to be stagnant at the beginning at the very beginning of the map so your book and the words in it and i'm sure also your workbook will help people that really need that dose of reality so i i applaud you and thank you for offering this to everyone and it is now on the list of books that i recommend thank you and I tell him, if you don't like the expletive, he doesn't spell it out. He's got some pretty symbols in the middle. But, so, you know. It's still in the words, though. Yeah. yeah. I know. But it's still, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And most people, even if they don't utter those words themselves, probably they are thinking <laughs> that. <laughs> without the symbols. Without right. the symbols. Um, so again, I want to say thank you, and I want to offer you, we want to offer you a few minutes to just tell our listeners, without Stephanie or I directing you by questions, just talk to our listeners and let them know what services you offer. Let them know about your other books, let them know about your website, whatever you've got going on, whatever you'd like our listeners to hear. This is your opportunity. Okay. Again, thank you for this this opportunity. This is this book, it's one of those things where, you know, if you ask a, a minister about weddings or funerals, and most of them will tell you they could put up a cardboard cutout of themselves and play a recording at a wedding. Mm-hmm. But it is when you do a funeral that you really feel like you're doing what you were called to do, that you're actually doing ministry at, at times like that. And this this book was part of that, I, to know that I'm, I, I can reach an audience or reach people who are going through something horrible and for whatever reason have felt shut out of the church. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this is a way to connect and say it, it's going to be okay. So so I appreciate, you know, this opportunity that I can come on and talk about it. It is available on Amazon. Uh, the link to my Amazon page is on your website. There are along with, you know, like I said, I, I wrote a book that was re-examining the words of Brother Lawrence and the practice of the presence of God. And then I follow that up with, you know, the book of biblical flatulence, which is <laughs> just, just an entire book of biblical fart jokes. And just I need to do it that way for my own brain. So I have, so I have balance. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 
if anybody would like to would like to send me an email or uh, I have done, you know, public speaking and, and led workshops before in, in youth ministry. And I'm planning on reaching, you know, branching out into maybe doing something with grief in the new year. You can send me an email and the email address is fkdeath.case at Gmail. I do appreciate it. Thank you. No, you're certainly welcome. It's our pleasure. Yeah. Uh, it's been a delight talking to you and, and learning more about the background of the book itself and your intention and everything, which, again, is very obvious in your words. And and I love it. I really do. I love it. Thank that. you very much. I appreciate uh, it. Yeah. As with all of our other guests, Steve's information, his contact information, and the link to purchase his book will be on our website and also in the episode notes in the podcast apps. And certainly get the book. It will be a huge help. So we need to wrap up for today. So I just want to thank everyone, wherever you may be. Remember to take care of yourselves and join us again next week as we all continue to live in grief. Thank you so much for listening with us today. Do you have a topic that you'd like us to cover or do you have a question from one of our episodes? Please email us at info at asiliveandgrieve.com and let us know. We hope you will find a moment to leave a review, send an email, and share with others. Join us next time as we continue to live and grieve together.